Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. And really, I could even say I'm going to talk to you about grace. How many of you know that grace is getting what you do not deserve? How many are glad for it? I am too. But here's the truth. We're not supposed to just receive grace. We're supposed to give grace. We're supposed to give grace to others. How many of you know when you forgive somebody, it's not that they deserve it necessarily. In fact, the reason they need grace is because they don't deserve it. And the reason we need grace is because we don't deserve it. But uh, think about Jesus on the cross. Everybody would like to start. He's redeeming us from our sins. And we call that day, it's a Friday, we call it Good Friday. How many know it was good for us, but it, Jesus did not call that Good Friday? I mean, it was not a good day for Jesus. It is like the worst 12 hours ever. Right? But he teaches great lessons on the cross. And if you take all four Gospels, you'll find that Jesus makes seven different statements from the cross. But before we look at the first one, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Uh, how many of you know this? There's no perfect people. There just aren't any. And, and if we fix our eyes on people, we can be disappointed. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are never going to be disappointed. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, we tend to think Jesus came to earth to die on the cross for us. But really, that is not why he came. He had to do that to get for the reason that he came. He wasn't looking forward to a cross. He was looking forward to joy that was on the other side of the cross, but he had to go through the cross to get to that joy. And that joy, of course, was paying for your and I sins, our becoming part of the family of God, his defeating completely Satan and demon power. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne. So he, he, he rises from the dead. He's sitting there at the right hand of God today. He's making intercession for us. The Bible says it's like Jesus is our attorney, right? But he, he went to that cross and put up with everything that he had to put up with because he knew where he was going. He was looking way beyond the circumstances that he was in. And when you and I or find ourselves in circumstances that are not good, we need to do the same thing. We need to look beyond where we are and look to where we're going. Look to the eternal reward. The Message Bible says this a little bit differently. Again, beginning in the second verse. In the Message Bible, it's hard to tell because they don't have verses, so we're kind of guessing, all right? It means we'd be, we better get with it. Strip down, start running, never quit, no extra spiritual fat, no parasite sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. 
He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. Now he's there in a place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item, that long litany of hostilities he plowed through, and it will shoot adrenaline into your soul. He says, study how he did it. What did he have to go through? Well, he's mistreated. He's misquoted. He's misunderstood. He's hated. He's lied about. He's ostracized. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He goes through a mock trial. He goes through the crucifixion, everything. He's up there on that cross. And the first thing that Jesus said is, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Think about that. That's the first statement. And we're supposed to look and we're supposed to, to, to get, receive him as an example and receive strength as we look at how he did it. And it's something that Jesus taught his entire ministry. In uh, Mark's gospel, in the 11th chapter, uh, Jesus literally from the 22nd verse on, he's teaching on the subject of faith. And it's the most detailed instruction on faith you will find anywhere in the Bible. And then he makes this statement in the 25th verse. And whenever you stand praying, some translations say every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Whenever you pray or every time you pray. Now, now here's what this tells me. This tells me that I may pray sometime and forgive somebody, but I might have feelings come back again. Something can, can resurrect itself. Somebody does something, I see that person, and something can, can resurrect. Jesus said every time that we pray, part of what we're supposed to do is make sure that we have forgiven everyone who's done us wrong. And then notice he says anything. So it doesn't matter what it was. But they did, doesn't matter. Jesus said every time you pray, than anything that they've done. And then he says, against anyone. It doesn't matter who it was, doesn't matter what they did. Uh, this may not be the best illustration, but, it, but if after the service you came up and, and you said, that is the stupidest worst sermon I have ever heard, and you are the crappiest pastor I've ever been around. Now, if you said that to me, I'd like, whoa, you know. But I'd just shake myself and go, man. That's your opinion. Now, listen, if Jeannie said that, oh, I'd be devastated. You say, why? Because it's the people that are the closest to us that typically can hurt us the most. It's the people that we're, 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 we're open to, that we're in relationship with. But Jesus said, every time we pray, doesn't matter what they did, doesn't matter who they were. Those are really the three all-inclusive things. I think this is why years ago, I'm going to say over 20 years ago, I was in a conference in uh, Seattle, Washington, and Dr. Cho was the, the speaker. Uh, Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world. I don't know what it's, 800,000 members, something like that. And he said, he said, I have to pray four hours a day. He said, because I hate so many people. <laughs> in other words, he was saying, look, I just, I just, I, People have done me wrong and I just gotta, I gotta forgive them and I gotta forgive them and I gotta pray for them and I gotta forgive them and I gotta pray for them. He says, 
And because I hate so many people, he says, I just got a lot of time I need to be praying. Right? Well, Jesus told us that every time that we pray, who, anyone who's done anything against us, we need to forgive. Now, I believe one of the reasons why this is so important is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. One translation says, don't give Satan a foothold. In other words, it's saying when we don't forgive, it gives Satan an opportunity to invade our life. Now, that's something that nobody should want, is opening the door to the devil. And again, because we've received grace, we should be giving grace. There's a really good example of this in 1 Samuel in the Bible. 1 Samuel 17 is maybe the best-known chapter in the entire Old Testament. David kills Goliath. The next chapter, the 18th, they're coming back from after this tremendous victory. Not only did David kill Goliath, but the the army of the Israelites, they decimate the Philistine army, and and they're coming back. And and the Bible says as they're returning, the ladies come out, and they're singing, and they're dancing, and they're playing their tambourines, and they're twirling around, and they sing, and they say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed to David tens of thousands, but to me they have ascribed only thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that an evil spirit, a distressing spirit from God came upon him. Now notice the next day, an evil spirit shows up. Jesus is talking with his disciples about the subject of forgiveness. And they ask him, how often do I need to forgive? Seven times? They think they're being generous. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And you know their response, right? This is what they said. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, here's what they understood that most Christians don't understand. That forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision you make by faith. You may not feel like it. Uh, 45 years ago, when Jeannie and I were in Bible school, we had a guest speaker named Corey Tinboom. Some of you will have remembered the name. Uh, During World War II, she and her sister and father lived in in a house in, in the Netherlands, and they were protecting Jewish people. And they were, they were part of a, a system where they were systematically caring for them and, and trying to get them out of Europe, to keep them out of the death camps. And they got caught. And when they got caught, they were sent to a concentration camp. Well, almost immediately, within just a few weeks, because of the conditions in the concentration camp, her father dies. And then over a period of time, her sister became weaker and weaker, and, and, and finally she dies. And then ultimately, the war's over. She's liberated. A couple years have passed, and, and now it's 1947. The war ends in 45. Germany's defeated, and, and she, she, she went to, to uh, Germany in order to, to bring a word of encouragement and really a word of forgiveness. And she says, as she was finished speaking in this, this little church, she said, I saw him 
working his way against others towards the front. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next I saw the blue uniform, the visor, the cap with the skull and the crossbones. And it came back in a rush, right? The huge lights in a room, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor and the shame that she felt as she had to walk naked before that man in that concentration camp, the different things that he had done. She said he was one of the worst guards there. And uh, he came up and she's just thinking of all the cruel things that, that he had done. And, and he said, uh, fine message, Fuhrlein, how good it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And he sticks out his hand and says, uh, I was a guard and I was wondering, he said, uh, would you forgive me? Would you speak words of forgiveness and say, I forgive you because it's so great what God has done for us. And she says, she stuck out his hand. She said, I, I, I literally, she said, I froze. And all the things that he had done came back. Things that he had done to her, things he had done to her sister, things that had happened in the camp. And now he was just wanting her to take his hand and forgive. And she says, I remembered forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision you make by faith. And she said, everything in me was shaking. And she says, I reached out my hand and grabbed his hand. And I, he, she said, brother, I forgive you from all, with all my heart in Jesus' name. And she said, when she did, she said, something just flooded over her. She said, it was the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. Now, I, I am not saying that when you forgive, you're necessarily going to feel what she felt. I'll tell you something. I've forgiven many, many, many times and not felt anything. Right? But you know what? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision. So the, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Because to forgive that much, we're going to need some faith. And Jesus tells them the story. He said, there was a man who owed a king billions of dollars. And he asked for forgiveness and the king forgave him. And he went out and he found a servant that owed him $20. And he grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me. And the guy said, just give me time and I will. And he said, no. And Jesus said he had him thrown in the debtor's prison. But when the king heard about it, he called him back. And he said, I have forgiven you so much. Shouldn't you also forgive the one that owes you something? And the king said, take him and deliver him to the tormentors. First of all, Jesus is saying, you and I did not deserve forgiveness. It was by grace. And we're supposed to extend the same grace to others. Because we've received forgiveness, we should forgive. But notice what Jesus said. When we don't forgive, we're delivered to the tormentors. In Ephesians it says that we give Satan a foothold. And there, no one who understands the works of the devil wants to give the devil a foothold into their life. Jesus taught us that every single time we pray, 
We should forgive. No, we think when we don't forgive that we're hurting the other person, but that is not true. You're not punishing them. You're punishing yourself. Someone said a long time ago, they said, having unforgiveness in your heart is like you drinking poison and looking at somebody else and thinking they're going to die. You're the one who drank the poison. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one falls away from God's grace, that no bitter to spring up and cause trouble and spoil everybody's life. When, when you hold that unforgiveness in your heart, it doesn't just affect you because it, it, it affects the people around. It's like having a hand grenade blow up. It doesn't just affect right next to that hand grenade. It affects those that are around. I heard a story about a, a man. Uh, he wasn't all that bright. and He was in a general store someplace down south, and there were a bunch of other men there, and, and he came in, and he was all smiling. He had a coat on, and and they said, what are you smiling about? He said, well, you know how Bill comes in every day and hits me in the chest? He said, look at this. I got dynamite. He said, when he hits me this time, I'm blowing his hand off. Hey, that's funny. Even if you don't laugh, that's funny. Because the truth is what he's going to do is he's going to blow himself up. And that's what unforgiveness does. In Ecclesiastes 7, in verse 9, the Bible says, don't hasten in your spirit to be angry. Listen, anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Anger rests in the bosom of the fool. We've all seen this happen or even had it happen where someone does something and the person who something is done to just absolutely explodes, totally disproportionate to anything that just happened. Years ago, I went to the, I went to a bank to cash a check. And I don't know what, what the lady's deal was, but I mean, she about bit my head off. Right? And I'm going out afterwards, I'm going to the car and I'm thinking, you know, what's her issue? And I realized, you know, her issue wasn't with me. She woke up with an attitude and she went to bed with an attitude. And there's people that wake up every day with an attitude. They've had it for years and years. The Bible says that it rests in your bosom. See, when you have unresolved conflict, when you have somebody that you have not forgiven and that anger is there, you think I've got it hidden, but the Bible says it's just waiting right under the surface. And all of a sudden, bam, that thing comes out and it explodes and it affects all the people that are around you. Right? So the Bible says, when you let that unforgiveness stay in your heart, it says, you're a fool. You're a fool. Because you think it's not going to affect other people, it's not going to affect you, but it absolutely does. In 1649, Cromwell overthrew King Charles I. Uh, it's quite a, bit of, quite a bit of history there. And he really wasn't wanting it to end like this, but ultimately, they took the king to trial and he was executed. Eleven years later, the Loyalist Party gets back in power and King Charles II, King Charles I's son, comes to power. He really blamed 59 people for his father's death. Well, he tried to get them all together. He wanted to have them hung, but 15 of them were already dead. So he exhumed their bodies, took their skeletons into the courtroom in chains, tried them 
found them guilty, and hung them. Now, that's what you call digging up the past. It, you see, 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 he just wasn't willing to let anything go. The Bible, the Bible says, least any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and thereby many be defiled. Another translation says, poisons the hearts of many. In Jesus' last 12 hours, he's betrayed. He's falsely accused. He goes through a mock trial. He's abandoned, rejected, whipped, mocked, stripped naked, crucified, humiliated. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. The Bible's telling us that Jesus understands every pain, every abuse, every rejection, everything that you and I have ever been through. Jesus understands the hurt, the abandonment, the mockery, the humiliation, the false accusation, the pain. He understands that because he has been through it all. And he's the one that is representing us today in heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 19, I want to start start at the 19th verse. And, And may I say, I do not recall. I've been a Christian for 47 years. I do not recall ever hearing one sermon on it, not one sermon in my life. If I ever heard another pastor preach on this subject, how many of you know there's a, there's a few parts of the Bible that make you uncomfortable. And, and sometimes you're like, kind of like, wish that part wasn't there. Right? This is probably one of those parts, right? For this is commendable. And because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Sometimes we think as Christians, you know, I love the Lord and everything is just going to always go right in my life. But the Bible tells us that when you love the Lord and you're a Christian, that part of the call of God that is on your life is to do right and to suffer for doing the right thing. And it actually goes on and talks about how Jesus is our example, how he is suffering for doing right. And he doesn't revile. He doesn't threaten. He doesn't get mad. He commits himself to God. And the Bible says, to this we were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. He didn't revile. He didn't threaten. He said, God, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Peter said, since Christ suffered while he was in the body, Strengthen yourself in the same way, thinking as Christ did. And we see, we're supposed to not expect life to be a flowery bed of roses. Now, when we forgive, it doesn't mean, number one, that they deserve forgiveness. How many of you know you and I did not deserve forgiveness? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And we are saved by grace. 
We're saved by grace. In that grace we receive, we are supposed to pass on to others. It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt, that there was no pain. And it doesn't mean there's reconciliation. When you forgive somebody, that doesn't mean, okay, come back in my life and I trust you in every way. That does, it doesn't mean that. It means I no longer expect any recompense and I turn you over to God. I expect I do not expect you to suffer because of what you did to me. Right? It doesn't mean that they've said, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean it's fair because grace is not fair. What we've received isn't fair. Right? C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and me. He has forgiven the inexcusable. When Jesus taught in his parable, someone owes a billion dollars, somebody else owns $20. What we have done against God is greater than any wrong that any person has ever done us. But, he, but what we are supposed to do is forgive. Romans 12, 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, and in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we return evil for evil, we are overcome by evil, and we perpetuate the cycle of evil. But the way that that cycle is broken is when we do good. Right? Now, Joyce Myers is a, a well-respected Bible teacher. Uh, she's been here and spoke many times. I, I remember one of the very first times that she came. Uh, it may have been the first, may have been the second time. Uh, Joyce had been sexually abused and raped by her father over 200 times. And, and she had shared that publicly. And uh, she came to speak at our church, and there was a woman who came. Her plan was to kill Joyce. And she says, she's a liar because no one can go through what she says she went through and be normal because I went through what she said she went through. Well, fortunately, our security team spotted her in the congregation as she was acting normal, and she was trying to get to Joyce with a knife with the intent to kill her. Right. So as uh, her, her father grew a bit older, uh, Joyce bought a house next to her house and put her parents in that house. She paid all of their bills. Now, re remember that Jesus said, what do you do to those who mistreat you? You do them good. You do them good. She said, in, in, as, he, as her father really got older, he came to her and he said, I'm so sorry. He said, I, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. She said she, she had already forgiven him. But she said, but what it gave her the opportunity to do was to lead him to Jesus. She prayed with him. He got saved. And then he got water baptized. And this is what she said. She said, what happened to her as a child is what made her the person she is today. She said, I'm not even sorry it happened. 
Let me tell you something. God will take what the devil means to destroy your life, and he will turn it around and use it for good. All right? She said, I was able to win my mother, my father to Christ because she did what Jesus said to do. Jesus in Luke 5, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. He said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. See, I, I remember, this was, this was just over 30 years ago, there was a, a, a man in our church, very prominent man in the church, and Multiple people came to me and said, hey, he's saying this about you. He's saying this about you. And he's saying this about you. They weren't true. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down with this guy. I'm going to, well, my, my, my thought was this. He says, I'm, I'm going to have a clarification meeting, which sometimes is called a confrontation. <laughs> clarification. So, so uh, but, but literally we get it, we get it set up. And, and, and that morning, I'm in my Bible in Ecclesiastes, and, and I'm reading, and, and the, the Lord, there's a, there's a verse in there that says, don't take to heart things that people say. He said, don't take it to heart. And the Lord said to me, he said, look, you just need to right now, you just need to release this to me. And, and I was even tempted to call him up and cancel, but I didn't. Right? And so we, we got down, we, we sat down, and I told him about some of the things that were happening in the church, and I told him about the vision and where we were going, and, and we spent some time together. We, we, we prayed at the end of that, and uh, today, he and his wife are in the church. His children and their spouses are in the church. Their grandchildren are in the church, and their great-grandchildren We'll be back in nursery once we open up again. How many of you know that's a whole lot better? That's a whole lot better. You know, we, we, we aren't, what we need to do is, is we, we need to release. We need to forgive. Repay no one evil for evil. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, the Bible says, live peaceably with all men. Right? So Jesus said, you pray for them. He says, do them good. He said, bless them and do not curse them. You know, when you speak about them, speak good, speak good, bless them, right? Jesus forgave you. He forgave me, but he forgave us so that we could take that same grace and forgive other people. I want you to bow your head for just a moment. And is there somebody in your life, who was like that prison guard was to Corey Tinbo. Somebody who's done things to you that should never have been done, mistreated you, lied about you, abandoned you, abused you verbally, physically, sexually. Is there someone that you need to forgive? You need to release. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I reach towards the things that God has for me that are ahead. And as long as we keep on holding on to what's behind, we can't reach and grab what God has for us today. 
And if there's something that you're still holding on to and it's affecting you today, you need to release. And, and you may need to pray again and release tomorrow. You may be like Dr. Cho and you're going to pray again the next day and the next day and the next day. But listen, eventually, let me tell you what's going to happen. Paul said it this way, God, enlarge our hearts. God's going to enlarge your heart. He's going to give you compassion. So if that's you, I want you to just, in your, in your heart, I want you to repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, today I release, and you just speak their name, for the things that they have done to me. I extend to them the same grace that you have extended to me. I forgive them and I release them to you. I bless them. And I ask, Father, for you to move in their life and to draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, still, as every head's bowed, every eye closed, uh, if you're here physically present, you're out there online and you're away from God, you're not right with God in your heart today. Maybe at one point you were living for the Lord, but you've drifted away. But you know, I'm not right with God. And you say, I want to get right with God. I want to just tell you a couple of things. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. What that means is this. It is not a matter of you or I doing good things to be right with God. Jesus is the way to be right with God. That means we need to believe that he died on that cross and shed his blood to pay for our sins. Right? Now, that's why Jesus said you must be born again. What that means is you need to receive him as your sacrifice for sin, and you need to receive him as your Lord. He needs to become your king. You need to live for him. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. So those that are here, those wherever you're at online, would you please pray this prayer out loud with me? Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you have heard my prayer. I thank you for grace, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.